0: Welcome. This is jazz, just the way we like it. My name is Alfonso Suveros, and this is our weekly jazz podcast recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play jazz and we discuss current events. We play those jazz songs that I listened to as a young man. And here I am now playing them for your pleasure and also to introduce a new and younger generation to that fabulous art form known as jazz. I'm in the studio with my good friend and co-host, Lawrence Williams. What's up, Larry? How you uh, doing? All
1: right, pal. How are you, man?
0: I'm good. I'm good, man. Good, good, good. good. Uh, very strange weather, man. It's like in the 50s this week, and the last week, man, it was like... Close to seventies. Yeah, it's kind of hard
1: to tell with this weather. It's no uh, predictability with it. What you know, like seasonal predictability. Yeah, we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have that kind of kind of uh, weather
0: that we used to have as kids. No, no, man. It's all the effects of global warming. Yeah, uh, that's really uh, disrupting the the weather cycle. Uh, but we don't. We you know. They talk about uh, how fast Iceland and Green uh, and uh, the Arctic is melting and the, the danger of sea levels rising 10, 12 feet in the next 20 years, 30 years. I mean, they talk about the possibility of the whole eastern seaboard of the United States with many other places uh, being underwater. In fact, you have islands in the Pacific now that's... Uh, covered completely.
1: Wow! Wow! That—that's something else uh, to think about. That you know, like a whole coastal line. Uh, oh yeah, disappearing. Yeah. What happens to the people and where do they go?
0: Hey, hey, you got you. You know, we have a lot of the people who are migrating from Central America and Latin America are actually climate migration. In other words, they can't grow crops. Because the climate has changed so much. The rain, the lack of rain, the droughts, that they can't grow food to support themselves. So what do they do? They they have to migrate to other places. And where's the best place for them to go to is the United States. Yeah. But it's all a product of uh, global warming.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that.
0: And uh, the contributors to global warming. We're finally getting the message about, you know, uh, oil and gasoline and cars and going slowly towards electric cars. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the, a lot of the damage, the hole in the ozone layer is huge. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what people don't talk about is that the hole in the ozone layer allows certain cosmic rays to come more directly to people to result cancer. Yeah. Because uh, electromagnetic energy... Uh, creates cell mutation, and that's the energy given off by the sun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I remember when it first, when when um, we were first talking about uh, global warming and, and how the seasons were changing. And, you know, um, in the beginning, I was kind of skeptical about it because I felt like, you know, it was a, a, an abnormal situation that happened once in a while. It's not something that's gonna be consistent but today no today i believe that yep. it is that there is Absolutely. a profound effect Absolutely. and unless we start to do something about it it's going to be yes be yeah, worse. i mean
0: we see see the effects in part of africa with starvation and people in the you see the thing of it is there's been shifts in climate on this planet but it was always caused by nature this is man made yeah And nature always had a way of balancing things out. This, we don't have a way of balancing things out. We threaten certain species that that may disrupt and fall out of the natural order of things. We don't know the effects, long-term effects of all this.
1: Yeah, especially like uh, even with the rainforest, uh, Uh, you know, the fact that we're using all this wood. What are we using all this wood for? What is it
0: being used for? Man, it's all about money. It's all about money. You know, it's 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 profit before the environment, and and the thing of it is, it's a slow death. Yeah. And it's not the death that we're going to feel; it's the death that your great grandkids will feel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the tragedy. That's the legacy, uh, of, of of what's going on around the world. Yeah. Now you know. Uh, uh, It was bad enough when a lot of the automobiles were manufactured and being driven in the United States, but this is now worldwide. China drives. Yeah. They gave up the bicycle. You know? Uh, India drives. Uh, The rest of the world. You know, you got traffic jams in Nigeria. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of CO2, brother.
1: Yep. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah and not a lot of trees to take that away.
0: You got that right. It's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Let's uh let's let's kick things off. You know, we always start this podcast off with a song that deals with social justice, and we're going to uh, play a song of a person who that was the theme of his life. Issues of social justice. Uh, who just passed away, by the way. Arabella Fonte And uh, Harry Belafonte was a fighter, an activist, not only an activist, but an actor, a singer, you know, close with Dr. Martin Luther King and many other leaders of the 1960s, you know, freedom struggle. Most people think he was born in the West Indies. No, he was born in Harlem. He was born in Harlem. And here's the thing. The Schomburg Library on 135th Street in the 1930s used to house the American Negro Theater. And they had a bunch of actors there. Ruby Dee. uh, 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 Ozzie Davis. Ozzie Davis, Cindy Poitier. All these folks were were there. And he went to a performance and fell in love with it. And that's how he, he used to be in the basement of the library. So here's a piece that he did. And, and, and it's the, uh, the boat song, Deo, and it's about the workers, the Jamaican dock workers who work at night. And he's singing about how they have to meet their quota, load the boats, and what have you. You know, I used to listen to this song as a kid and never thought about what it was about.
2: I but he's
0: talking about workers yeah, that, and, that was- and their difficulty.
1: My first one of my first albums.
0: Yeah. So here we go. Harry Belafonte, folks. Uh Deo, the boat song.
3: Deo. 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 He said, damn, said, damn. Daylight come and we won't go home. Work all night on a drink of rum. Daylight come and we won't go home. Stack banana till the morning comes. Mista man, come. And be
0: Belafonte deo, come Mr. Tali man, Tali do bananas. Wow, come <laughs> them up, man. I guess you had to reach some quota.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they probably did, man. I I remember when I went to Costa Rica and I went to a banana plantation and, and the guys were, you know, working, taking you know, covering mm-hmm. it up for the night or whatever the case may be. And uh, I saw how green and how large these things grow and Man, it's a beautiful sight. I mean, like uh, it's a beautiful sight. So uh, these guys were working during the day because we 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 were there at the daytime. Mm. But it is it is an operation. It is yeah. definitely an operation.
0: I know that. Uh, well, Jamaica has a long history of migrant workers who who migrated. His parents were were, were migrant workers. He he spoke about them. They were like, you know, pick cane. I think pick sugar cane. My grandmother on my mother's side was from Kingston, Jamaica, and she picked sugar cane. Oh, boy. And my older aunts were all born in Cuba, so they have Cuban names like Margarita, Lolita, Juanita. They were all—my uh, grandmother was a, a cane worker, okay, a migrant worker. Um, and that's where she met—this is on my mother's side— And that's where she met uh, my grandfather. Uh, But that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Uh, Harry Belafonte, man. Uh, Activist, singer, just a good person. Yeah. All right, folks. uh, Before we get into some jazz, Larry, some topics we need to talk about. Man, so much going on in the world. You know, we decided that we're going to start... Uh, talking about one international topic and one uh, domestic national topic in each podcast. And uh, one of the uh, international topics that's really of importance is the conflict in Sudan. And people don't realize Sudan is the third largest country in Africa. Sudan is huge, huge country. Uh... And, and it borders Egypt, it borders uh, Central African Republic, Chad, uh, Ethiopia. It's across from the Red Sea, from uh, uh, United Arab Republic and Saudi Arabia. And in fact, for all those folks that talk about the Egyptians and the black Egyptians, that... The modern-day descendants of these people are the folks in Sudan. Ninety percent of your pyramids are in Sudan, and only 10 percent is in Egypt, what we call Egypt. Uh, Larry, the United States has a population of 337 million. Sudan has a population of 294 million. Fewer people, but a hell of a lot. And if a major conflict right now, I think they call they came to some kind of peace agreement. But if a major conflict uh, breaks out, man, it's gonna be major humanitarian efforts. What do you think about this, bro? Well, uh,
1: you know, like um, that there was a conf- I mean, the conflict started April fifteenth uh, between the, the military government and. Um, uh, there's another faction, um, uh, the RSF, which is the Rapid Support Force, which is uh, um, headed by a warlord by the name of General Mohammed, D- D- Dal Gallo. He's also known as Himedito, uh, Himedito, and. Uh, the thing about this that's really important is the, is the Quad, which is the Quad is, is Sudan, USA, Saudi Arabia, and, and United Arab Republic. And what they're fearing right now is that uh, Russian will have a base in the Red Sea. And, and the military government that's in power right now is swaying towards that direction. So uh, for the U.S., <laughs> that's not a good thing. So uh, we are totally uh, against it, and like you said, um, uh, Chad is right next to us, so a lot of refugees uh, will flow into Chad and Ethiopia from here as a result of these, these conflicts. But they've been, they've been um, uh, having war uh, amongst them for the longest time. Yeah. They don't seem to be able to get it, to pull it together. They want to get uh, an election in 2023, a civilian election. That still hasn't happened. The first, the first thing that has to happen is that these two uh, generals. generals have to get it together. But there's got to be
0: one. Yeah, but they overthrew an elected official. I know that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But there's got, to, there's got to be one, and that's the problem. And there's always that ego that comes involved when it comes to power. You know, I don't want to be the second guy. I want to be the first guy. I did all this work. I want to be the first guy. Yeah. So they have to come to some type of agreement. Otherwise, it's going to be in turmoil. I didn't realize there was all these many people that lived in there. Like, wow, well, you said a like this It's a huge to, country. It is huge, yes.
0: Yeah. And here's the other thing about Sudan. Not only is strategically located, and they're concerned about Russia getting a base, what Russia would love, because it's all, you know, the, the political stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is that, you know... Fifty percent of the uh, gold in the world comes from Africa. And one of the major suppliers to the United Arab Republic and Saudi Arabia is Sudan. Yes. So that is a concern. Uh, Wow. They came to some uh, ceasefire. I hope that lasts. But, you know, that... Is a major city that they're fighting in with people who are like, all the stores closed, the hospitals shut down, the schools shut down, and these two generals are going at it.
1: Um, What uh, was that city like in uh, the doc, Doctor region or something? The car, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, the car, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I okay, yeah, yeah, that, that's major.
0: Yeah. Well, man, let's 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 see where that goes, man. It's yeah. interesting, you know. Uh, we don't get much coverage of Africa in U.S. news, no. But on the on the global level, it's very important.
1: Yeah, when you think about Russia getting a the base there, uh, that's not a good thing for the U.S.
0: Well, yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, strategically, that's these are, these are all things that that yeah, that, people are that, looking at looking yeah. at
0: yeah yeah. On the national level, Larry, Biden said Is he go- he's going to run again.
1: There's a he's couple of things that are probably not the best thing in the world for him running again. It's probably his age, his stamina, and uh, uh, his low approval right now. So those are the kind of things that might be against him.
0: Uh, he's 80 years old. Yeah. And if he runs... He would take the oath at eighty-two.
1: Right, and so it'll be eighty. So his
0: his four years will be eighty-six. Yeah. Uh, wow, there's a good possibility he he may not. Yeah. Be of good health or able to fulfill the four years, in spite of the polls show that people will vote for him if the alternative was Donald Trump.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that, that yeah. It's well people would consider that the lesser of two evils. Uh not being that I don't think Biden is an evil guy, but uh, uh, it's just that, you know, like when I looked at what would be good about him staying in office is his experience. And Mm -hmm. right now, he really doesn't have any serious challenges on the the Democratic
0: Party. No, no, nobody's going to challenge him. Yeah, No Democrats of of any caliber will challenge him. Here's the thing, though. Should he change his vice president considering the fact that he may not make it through the four years, and that vice president will become the president. A lot of people have a lot of negatives about Harris. Well, well but he can't. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he does that, then he's got to he's got to have a good reason why he's going to get rid of uh uh Harris.
0: Yeah, Kamala Harris. Kamala
1: Harris, because you know. Th- uh, the reason why he got one was because of the woman's vote. That one, that was one part of the uh, you know coalition that got him into office. Now, if he's just going to arbitrarily take her out because of the fact that she's a woman, um, and I don't why, think did, why did you why did
0: why do you why did why did you have her there in the beginning? Yeah, I don't think he'll do it for the fact that she's a woman, but the fact because is, she doesn't have the experience. No, because you know. He, 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 She may not be what he considers a strong candidate for to take the office after him. The thing of it is, though, you risk losing the most loyal component and the most important component of the Democratic Party, and that's black females. Yep. And uh, he'll be a fool. He'll be shooting himself not only in the foot, but in both feet. If he tried to remove Kamala Harris, yeah, but they're going to go after Kamala Harris with tooth and nail.
1: Yeah, I, I feel that they, even the Democrats are going to go after her because they don't feel that she's strong enough to to uh, yeah have that role as president of the United States. Yeah, I she know. has to. I mean, though she's been in the background a lot during this uh, this this year, uh, I think she has to show a little bit more fortitude. I don't know. I don't know what she can do.
0: She can't <laughs> she, do nothing unless the president allows her
1: do. Yeah, that's, that's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so she can't get bigger than him. Yeah, no, no, no. She doesn't have that platform. All right, man, that's our international and national issue, man. So let's get to what we really want to get to, and that's some jazz, man. Uh, today's show, we're going to focus on three trumpet players, man, that had a major impact on uh, sorry, jazz music. And that's Clifford Brown. Lee Morgan, and Freddie Hubbard. Three fabulous trumpet players. Clifford Brown, Lee Morgan, Freddie Hubbard. They were all jazz trumpeters who played during almost the same age of jazz music. Brown was born in 1930 and died in 1956 at the age of 25. Clifford Brown was a young man. He died in a car accident. He was known for his poverty improvisational style and what you mean but in jazz by improvisational style is that's a form of spontaneous creativity Mm -hmm. and variation Um, and why Lee considered one of the most influential trumpeters uh, of modern jazz of all times Lee Morgan though was born 1938 died in 1972 His uh, his old lady killed him, shot him, at a club right here in New York City. He died at the age of 33. Uh, He was known for that hard bop style and was considered one of the most important trumpeters of his generation. And then there's Freddie Hubbard, who was born in 1938 and died in 2008 at the age of 70. So he got to live a pretty long life. Man, he not only played that bop style, but also a lot of new modern uh, free jazz stuff. Each of these trumpeters had their own style, but they shared a common foundation in jazz music. Clifford's style was characterized by his use of fast runs, harmonies, and uh, lyrical approaches to his improvisation. The Morgan's style was characterized by the use of bluesy phrases, a hard, driving swing feeling. And if you listen to Morgan, you get that little swing, that little, you know, bebop stuff. And Freddie Hubbard's style was characterized by his use of fast rungs and complex harmonies. Uh, so let's listen to a piece by each one of these. And we're going to start out with... uh. Clifford Morgan, and he did a lot of recording with uh, Max Roach. And this is one of his pieces that he recorded, uh, Delia, with Max Roach, and recorded this in 1954, folks. So, Clifford Brown, Max Roach, sit back and enjoy. 1954 recording with Clifford Brown on trumpet, Harold Land on tenor sax, George Morrow on bass, Richie Powell on piano, and Max Roach on the drums. Man, what a nice piece, man. You know, Clifford Brown only recorded for four years, and prior to him forming this band here, he played with Art Blakely, Lionel Hampton, and J.J. Johnson. How'd you like this piece, Larry? Yeah, this
1: was really good. I... I um... I was listening to the uh the drums and Max the way that he, he makes those the drums talk. It's about to be. Oh, I yeah. mean exactly. the way that he has all these different sounds that are coming out of the drums. Yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. And, and Clifford, man, I like that like his style. I like the way that he plays. I like the the tones that, that he's able to yeah. elicit from the uh, uh, the trumpet that he plays. It is beautiful, man. Yeah, it's, it's kinda beautiful. unique. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh the piano player, uh, Richie Powell, also died in the car crash with Clifford Brown. Oh, wow. And, and, and I think he was about 22 years old where Clifford Brown was 25. Wow. And, I, and in fact, the piano player, his girlfriend was in the car and she died. And she was like 19 or 20, something like that.
1: Wow, it must it must have been a speeding
0: accident, probably. I don't know, but it was tragic. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, uh, to die so young, and he was on his way up in 1954 when he this album came out. He was uh, Downbeat magazine named him the uh, the best newcomer of the year, the best new star of the year 1954, and and you know, Downbeat is the jazz. Used to be the Jazz Magazine. I don't know if it's still out there. I don't.
1: I don't think it is. But uh, I, it was the it was the Jazz Magazine.
0: Anytime you want yeah.
1: to find out what was going on in Jazz, you would you know you would uh, you would pick that up.
0: Yeah. Well, it might be online. I'm gonna look that up, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Could be. Could very easily be.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a piece by Clifford Brown. You know, we we're gonna play a piece by Clifford Brown. We're gonna play a piece by Lee Morgan and a piece by. Um, Freddie Hubbard, three powerful trumpet players, man, that had a major influence on jazz. Uh, Edward Lee Morgan, better known as uh, Lee Morgan, Uh, born in 1938 and died in 1972, was really a powerful jazz trumpeter and composer a hard bop musician of the 60s. He really came to prominence on his recording on John Coltrane's Blue Train. Uh, he played with Art Blakely before he launched his solo career. He was uh, Blake, with Blakely until 1961, and when he started to, uh, after leaving Blake, uh, Blakely Morgan continued to work with, you know, Hank Mobley, Wayne Shorter, a number of artists, and he recorded on Blue Note. Uh, he died at the age of 33. He was shot at a club right here in Manhattan, Slugs. It used to be a jazz club, man. Yeah. Uh, he had a reputation with the ladies, from what I understand, yeah. and it, it caught up with him. Here's probably his most widely known piece, piece called Sidewinder. Uh, Larry, I know you remember this piece. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's, this, what, that's a classic to me. Yeah, this is his. Uh, and it had uh, Lee Morgan on trumpet, Joe Henderson on tenor. I mean, Joe Henderson, man, he played with everybody. Joe Henderson on tenor, sax, Barry Harris on piano, Bob Crenshaw on the double bass, and Billy Higgins on the drums. And uh, this was recorded in 1964, Sidewinder. And this was a very popular piece uh, because it became a crossover piece on the Pop and Rhythm and Blues charts in 1964. Uh, So, hey, let's give a listen to Lee Morgan and his group on the Peace Sidewinder. <music> (音楽) guitar solo
2: Yes! The. <laughs> <laughs> We'll <laughs> be
0: Sidewinder, Lee Morgan, Uh, with Lee Morgan on trumpet, Joe Henderson on tenor sax, Barry Harris on piano, Bob Crenshaw on double bass and Billy Higgins on the drums. And this was recorded in 63, but released in 1964. And it made the uh, pop charts. And it was a hit. Uh, I think there was a shorter version of it that was played on, you know, commercial radio. And it was a crossover, man. And this was like a very popular, very popular song. You heard this music all over uh, when people were playing music. And, you know, one of the things, uh, and you remember, Larry, in the 50s and early 60s, people used to get the small 33s, the the small records. And then by 65, 66, 64 and onward, people started buying albums. And albums became the thing, yeah. and this was a uh, uh, an album that if you were like you know young and hip, you had to have. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and
1: and there was one other thing that that happened with this song was that uh, in 1965 it was used in a commercial for a World Series without Morgan's permission, and uh, he threatened that. he threatened to sue them, and, and they took down the they took down the commercial. But they used it in the 1965 World Series uh, as as a Chrysler Dodge commercial.
0: Oh man! Yeah. But they were famous for that, man. They're famous for stuff like that. And in fact, they have you know going on now the thing with the Motown and Marvin Gaye song. Yeah. And the the British singer, I forgot his name.
1: At at.
0: Ed something. Shearing. Ed yeah. Shearing. Shearing. Yeah. I listened to Ed Shearing's song. They're talking about the music and yeah. the beat yeah. and the rhythm. And then I listened to Marvin Gaye, let's get it all. Yeah. It is
1: very, very, very similar. Very, similar. Very similar. Yeah. I think he lost this one.
0: Yeah. Good. Yeah, good. 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 Because they've been stealing, you know, music from black folks for a long time yeah. without 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 you know uh, Without uh, consequences. Yeah. 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 So that's Lee Morgan, man. That's our second trumpet player, man. Oh, and
1: by the way, Buck Downbeat is still in business.
0: Oh, cool. You just yeah. looked it up, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the power of the internet. <laughs> Instantaneous access to knowledge. <laughs> There's no excuse for being ignorant these days. <laughs> All right, let's play our third artist, Frederick Dwayne Hubbard, better known as <laughs> Freddie Hubbard. Born in 1938 and died in 2008 jazz trumpeter, played bebop, hard bop, post bop. And early 1960 onward, he influenced new perspectives for modern jazz. At the age of 20, he moved to New York City, began playing with some of the best jazz players of the era. Philly Joe Jones, Sonny Rollins, Sly Hamilton, Eric Doffey, J.J. Johnson, and Quincy Jones. In 1960, he was invited to the Ornette Coleman Free Jazz after Coleman had uh, heard him perform with Don Cherry. In 61, he played on Ole Coltrane uh, uh, with John Coltrane and uh, Eric Doffy. Uh Boy, he was around. He collaborated with Wayne Shorter Art Blakely, Lee Morgan, the Jazz Messengers, and so many more, so many more, and some of his, he 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 expand from bop to hard bop to uh, post bop and some very creative stuff, and we're gonna play one of his uh, most recognized pieces called Red Clay. Freddie Hubbard, Red Clay uh, with Lenny White on drums, uh, Patty uh, Mahaney on piano, Herbie Hancock, uh, Ron Carter, and Joe Henderson. There Joe again. Uh, This was recorded in 1970. uh, And of course, Freddie Hubbard on the trumpet. Uh, Red Clay, folks. Let's sit back and Listen to the man and enjoy Freddie Hubbard. (laughs)
2: so
0: Red Clay with Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, Joe Henderson on tenor sax and flute, Herbie Hancock on electric piano and organ, Ron Carter on bass, and Lenny White on the drums. That was a 1970 piece in that soul jazz fusion style. Uh, Man, that was a uh, a hit, a hit. 70s man they, they 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 combining soul and jazz together man that uh Lee Morgan did it Freddie Hubbard did it uh created a whole new sound man that you could dance to <laughs> yeah yeah
1: that's right that's right this this was actually his uh, first album on uh CTI yes yeah uh, uh which is Creed Taylor uh, there were a lot of good albums that came out that CTI produced yeah uh really really, really I mean they, they wouldn't like Right next to Blue Note in terms of uh, productions mm-hmm. in the early seventies. Oh yeah, uh, you know, a that, that, uh, lot of a lot of great albums came out of that.
0: Oh yeah, but yeah. But this
1: this is a classic, man. This this is it's a bunch of classic stuff
0: that I we've know, been playing. I know,
1: I know. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you know when you hear when you hear the music.
0: And the lineup of musicians oh, on. Oh my it. god, yeah. <laughs> it's a powerhouse.
1: Yes, yes. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Larry, man, it's that time. It's that time, folks, man. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I' uh going to do things. We're going to go out a little differently. I'm going to play uh, another song, not the usual song, uh, not Moody Moods for Love. We're going to play a piece called Walking that was recorded at a... In, Brooklyn on the album *Night of the Cookers* in 1965, and it was recorded at a jazz club in Brooklyn. Larry, you know the name of that club?
1: A uh, club La Marshall Michal, yeah. Club La Michal.
0: That was a famous jazz place right here in Brooklyn, folks. And Brooklyn had its share of jazz clubs, man, all all over Brooklyn and in Park Slope and in all down Fulton Street. Uh, I remember the Blue Cornet. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Blue Cornet, yeah. everybody played yeah. at these places, man. And Brooklyn had a... This is before the East. So everybody talked about jazz in the East. Man, there was a the life before, before that. The, yeah. And a lot of jazz heads was going to these places, man. And uh, this was done in 1965. Unfortunately, man, I, you know, I was too young then, man. Just coming out of high school, 1965. But... Uh, I caught up with these folks not too long later. Uh, But here's a piece, man, of the Night of the Cookies called Walking. And listen listen to this lineup. It had Freddie Hubbard on trumpet. Lee Morgan on trumpet. (laughs) James Spaulding on alto sax. This guy Harold uh, Mayburn on piano. Larry Rowley on bass. Peter LaRocca on drums. And Big Black. Danny Big Black on Kungus, Oh, <laughs> uh, man. So uh, we're going to go out on this, play a little bit of it. It's kind of long, so we'll play a couple of minutes of it. So sit back, folks, and enjoy this recording in Brooklyn in 1965. Do some time traveling. Go back and enjoy. Night of the Cookies. That's uh, Night of the Cookies, man, with uh, Freddie Hovitt, Lee Morgan, and James Baldwin. Uh, Thanks for watching, folks. I hope you enjoyed the uh, podcast. Uh, Until the next time, as always, peace and love.